It's the lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick on the corner of 184th Street and Stony Plain Road. Hurry in for financing as low as 0%, cash discounts, and more on remaining 2023 Sierra Half Tons. Plus, cash discounts on remaining GMC and Buick SUVs. WolfGMCBuick.com. We're now joined by our friend Steve Lansky, who had uh, two weeks of unnecessary time off, but we forgive him. How are you, sir? I'm very good. It it might be my first time off without being suspended, which is always <laughs> exciting for me. Yes, and when I don't when I don't hear the 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 word suspended before the time off, that's huge for me. Well, and and the and the good thing is that we did talk about you, but it was it was positive. So <laughs> I don't want to say I find that hard to believe, but I do find that hard to believe. Well, but I, I trust you. It I'm I'm conflicted right now. I'm not going to lie. Well, I think one of the two things, either I'm mellowing, which is more likely, or you're mellowing, which is highly unlikely. So, <laughs> Or maybe we're both mellowing, which scares the you-know-what out of me. Yeah, well, you know. Um, so what did you? can you share what you did when you took time off and left us alone without any help? Sure. We got on a plane. We flew to Ixtapa and Ziwat Nail, and we stayed in a resort that I couldn't imagine in a thousand years of imagining resorts. It was our first it was our first winter holiday to a beach since 1989 because when you work in hockey, you don't take your holidays during the winter, you take them during the summer. So we let little leatherback turtles out into the Pacific Ocean. We sat by a pool every single day, 32 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. Other than that, it was horrible. So did you wear like 700 sunscreen? <laughs> I the we're mellowing, but some of us aren't getting any smarter. <laughs> oh. I, but we no, no, listen. My wife is all over that. We had the 60 Neutrogena, we brought this down in little packages and stuff like that. I was actually pretty good, but I like to get a nice tan. So I kind of I kind of like spit spit roast myself around during the day rolling around. No burn. I did really well. Really mm. well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you didn't have that moment where you you, you, I better shower before I go out, and then you realize how much pain you're in, and you maybe burned yourself that day. You did not have that feeling. No, and I got to be honest with you, this is the first time because we went when we went to Australia a long time ago. Oh my God, I was the color of. You remember when? <laughs> you remember on Seinfeld when Kramer had the Kenny Rogers roasters oh, me yeah. on side of. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Yes, uh, that I That was me. That was me on steroids when we went to Australia, and I thought, I am never doing that again. And we did really well. And yeah, no, that turned out perfect. Well, wasn't that the one where he goes, look away, I'm hideous? No, that was the smoking one. You're right. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. There, why, why are some shows, they get funnier over time? It's true. It, it's true. It, it, it just gets funnier over, because it's so absurd. Well, you were gone, Steve. A few things came up, and I kept saying, man, I wish Lansky was here. So I'm going to run mm-hmm. one of them back at you now. We talked about the correct order of holding the Stanley Cup aloft and skating around on the little skate they all get after McDavid receives the trophy from Gary. We get, People will boo. It'll be at Rogers. People will boo. Uh, well, it might be in Toronto, but McDavid will get the cup, and he will hold it aloft, and then... In order, and I need the five after McDavid. Who who should get the cup after McDavid? Now, there's there's questions that have to be posed here. Like, are we talking about like three months from now? Is that what we're talking about? Yes. 
Okay, well, that was sorry, that was not made clear, and and we, so now we've assumed that the Oilers will beat the Leafs in the Stanley Cup Final. Is that what we're also assuming? I just don't know what arena it'll be in, but yes, that is the assumption. Okay, okay, because there's a lot of things assumed here that I I, well, I, need, Canada, I need cleared up. Canada may no longer exist, but the Stanley Cup will be handed out. <laughs> okay, I understand. Well, I mean. And and you've had people's opinions on this so far that I have not heard. This is correct? Yes, and that's why I want you, pristine as you are, fresh from your your kebabbing uh, in Mexico, I want I want your opinion. Okay, so uh, it, uh, this is this is one of the biggest assumptions I've ever been part of in my entire life. And I've been part, I've been in live sports television. I've been some part of for some pretty big assumptions, but uh, obviously. Nuge gets the cup first, right? That's, 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 that's a great answer. Has to be. Who else could it be? It has to be. Then, if we are now, this this is the part that is throwing me off a little. If we are assuming this happens in three months, the only way this happens in three months is if Stuart Skinner becomes Glenn Hall, Terry Sawchuk, Ken Dryden, Frank Brimsek. Uh, Charlie Rayner, oh my God, I'm trying to come up with as many as I can. Jacques Plante, Eddie Jacquemin, and uh, Martin Brodeur in one. He he gets all that rolled into one. So Nuge has to hand it to Stuart Skinner because he's clearly had the greatest playoffs in the history of playoffs. Okay. Then Skinner is going to hand it to Darnell Nurse because Darnell Nurse has taken more slings and arrows, and some from me, over his time, and they've obviously won because he figured out how to play the game Paul Coffey wants him to play. Okay. So he gets his third. Now, you can't shuffle Leon to the back of the pack because my guess is he scored several power play goals in the playoffs, and next it goes to Leon. And number five is my personal heart choice. To me, nobody works harder than Derek Ryan. And I would okay. like to see I would like to see him get the cup number five. I realize that leaves Hyman out of the mix. I get all that. But those to me would make a lot of sense. Well I like your choices. I have to say they were original. They are well thought out. Uh and I know you're gonna get harpooned online, but I don't care. I like your choices and I endorse I'm them. I'm I'm thank you very much. I'm fine with the harpoon because you're right. Shockingly, I did think them through, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm 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 looking at the list right now, and I'm very happy and satisfied with it, and I'll put it back in the file. All right, there you go. Okay, uh, this happened recently, but it has been happening, and it did happen while you were away. Uh, uh, people know I love Jack Edwards because he he embellishes and uses hyperbole even more than I do. So I respect him that he uses that tool uh, that he has in his toolbox often, but. On the Bruins broadcast, he's speaking more slowly, and he has spoken about this, about the game, you know, still going quickly, and he is more, he's enunciating, but he's also a little bit slower than the cadence has changed uh, over the years. Um, So I just, while I was thinking about that, not Jack Edwards specifically, he's been very public about it, but I think that, that we love to look behind the scenes, so... What happens if your play-by-play guy or your your color commentator or your host has some kind of a malady that could affect the broadcast and you have to think on your feet and and I say that with respect cuz I know you can does has that ever happened to you and what is the 
What's the check down? Yeah, that's a that's a really great, great question. And one thing did come to mind, which I'll get to here in a second. I mean, obviously, when you get to the end, Bob Cole slipped a little. Danny Gallivan, they didn't Danny didn't let himself slip a little. He decided it was time to step away. But it's very hard to know. And when you're talking about national broadcasters versus Jack Edwards, who's a regional guy, that is also different. But the only situation I had that was kind of like this, and I won't use any names, is I believe the day we had a game, and I won't give you cities or anything, we did something called a home studio where our host was at home. It was for a regional game, so two and seven CKND in Winnipeg, CHCH in Toronto, ITV in Edmonton. It was one of those um, games. Right. And we would do a home studio where our host was actually at home and the play-by-play guy and the color guy were in the building. It was in Madison Square Garden. But we make it look like the host is in MSG. But if you're paying attention, you see he doesn't interview any players. He doesn't do anything from rinkside. So, but it was to save money and to get a studio in Madison Square Garden cost a fortune. So you right. wouldn't do it. Okay. So the day we're doing this game, our host's wife served him with um, divorce papers. Oh, my God. The very day of the game. And let me just say this was not his best day, personally. And we basically spent most of the day sitting on a couch in the green room at the station we were at uh, discussing life and all its permutations and combinations and virtually zero about a hockey game. And I remember it vividly because we, I, sometimes I would have to leave to do some production in the truck and then I would come back and we would talk and then I would leave and then I would come back and I'd say, listen, uh, what it boiled down to Sal, was I said, look, what do you feel comfortable doing tonight? And we agreed that we would try to minimize the contribution, minimize the things our host had to do and, and say and throw to. And, and so that's what we did. And we tailored the show that one time to make it a lot easier for this person on clearly what was a very, very, very difficult day. And did a great job, very professional, got through it. And I realized that wasn't necessarily a long-term thing like, say, Bob Cole or Jack Edwards would be. But mm-hmm. one of your, this, this is kind of my point, is one of your main jobs, if not the main job of a producer, is to make your commentators look good. You want to produce a good show, but you want to make your guys look good on the air. You don't put them on when they're not, you know, their ties crooked. Where You give them a second. I've told you the Steve Armitage story in Los Angeles where we waited until he caught his breath during the playoff game before we turned on the camera and turned up the lights and opened his mic because it's not fair to put them in those positions. And we worked really hard that day to not put our host in a position that was going to be very difficult for them to execute. And I think when you're working with somebody like Jack Edwards or Danny or Bob at the end, you work that way, and that, but then at some point you say, okay, which direction are we going to take this now because this is not a sustainable long-term model. And then you have to make some hard decisions. But TV is a business. Problem is, you know, a lot of us run it with our hearts. Yeah. Steve Lansky, our guest, Big Mouth Sports. I, I, I'll tell you a, a, something that happened when I was young, and it irritated mm-hmm. me, and I, I, I liked Brian McFarlane less because of it. And then years later I found out why he did it. When he was working right. with Bill Hewitt, uh, he was instructed. Bill Hewitt was 
he, he would sometimes get the names wrong. Uh, he would ramble after a goal. And McFarlane was told, he wrote about this, he was told to jump in right after the goal and describe the goal. And so you can hear Hewitt calling, score! And then McFarlane jumped, like, over top of. And it was it was distracting as a viewer and as a listener. And I remember, I remember being, and I liked McFarlane, but I didn't like him in that role, and I remember being irritated by him. Years later, I found out that puts somebody in a difficult spot, and I don't know whether that would have been the right decision. I know firing Bill Hewitt would have been a bad idea because Foster Hewitt was such a legend, but I, I'm not sure that the solution they came up with was the right one. And, you know, I don't know what year that would have been, but the producer would have either been George Retzlaff or Ralph Mellenby. It would have been one of those two people. And those are really, really tough decisions. And you don't normally make them in a silo. It would be discussed with Brian. You probably wouldn't discuss it with Bill. But those are really hard emotional decisions. And when you take a guy like... When you look at a guy like, say, Bob Cole or Bill Hewitt, like, that's their whole life. Yeah. That is their life, what they're doing there. And to come in and say, you don't have what you used to have. We're taking your life away from you. Oh, my God. That is so hard to do. And so I'm wringing my hands now thinking about it. It's so hard to even think about. So that would have been a, let's give this guy a little more glory. Brian, can you help us out? And do this. And Brian McFarland, who is literally one of the five nicest people in this business I have ever met, would have said, sure, I'll do whatever you guys want me to do. And that would have been how that transpired. Really quick one, uh, just to, to kind of like add on to it, because I think that, that when we, in this country, uh, I think we worry more about the, the Hockey Night in Canada play-by-play guy than we do about the Prime Minister. And I'm not saying that's right, but it's true. So We do. Bob Cole, as for instance, his stepping off point, I, I like it. John Cherry too, almost. It becomes almost when they want to go, and and you have to nudge them because they're. I remember when Vin Scully made a call on a national game on a home run. He thought it was gone, and it wasn't. And it was the last broadcast I recall him doing nationally. But in Canada, we we don't do that. We sort of okay. Bob doesn't know any of the Ottawa players, but we'll just let him make the call. And and you know, I mean. Don Cherry was on for a long, long time, uh, and I think there were several times where he was almost cut but wasn't. And in Canada, I think we that broadcast is so central and almost like with religious fervor, we protect who's on it. I think the solution is you got to stop giving long-term contracts and you got to stop making long-term promises because you got to tell these guys you're on a yearly basis because when you're a broadcaster – the minute you think you're bigger than the show, the show has a serious, serious problem. And that's what happened to all those guys. Don Cherry, Bob Cole. I hate to say your host, Ron McLean, right now, they all think they're bigger than the show. And when that happens, bad things ensue. Steve Lansky, you brought it. You had your holiday. It's clear that you're fresh and reasonable and the color of uh, a cod. Because you said reasonable, man. I never <laughs> called that. Thank you so much. Well, you just made my decade. I, today's my day to lie, so that's what I did. <laughs> Go 
Bye-bye, my friend. All right, Steve Lansky, thank you. <laughs> Steve Lansky from Mepo Sports. On the way, Tato Uremchuk. Trade rumors. He's heard a million of them because he's been talking to Sarah Valley, and he has a million ideas, too. That's next. Low down with Low Tide on Sports 1440. They're available 24-7, 365 at wolfgmcbuick.com. Say 3 in the morning, Sunday, you decide you want to buy a vehicle, they are there waiting for you. Speaking of waiting, one of my favorite things to do around this time of year is to talk to Tyler Uramchuk at uh, Daily Faceoff because not only does he have access to, like, Saravali, who is, like, absolute gold at the time of the deadline, he has great creative ideas about trades that could happen across the NHL. Uh, it's the one time of year he doesn't talk about 10-game winning streaks and really hones in on trade deadlines. Tyler, how are you, man? I am good, Low Tide. I'm loving it. Seven days until the deadline. Let's go. Yeah, it's it's close. Um, are you hearing anything specifically, or has Frank mentioned anything specifically with regard to the owners? I feel like Adam Henrique is more prominent than he was a day ago, but these things are fleeting, right? Yeah, like, do they like Henrique? I believe so. But I think you could say the same thing for Dowd and for Buchnevich and for a Gensel and an Eberle and on and on and on. I think the Oilers right now are sitting there going, oh, we actually kind of see a lot of fits on the market. Nothing to the level of, say, you know, when Ekholm was available last year. It was like, whoa, that is so clearly what the Edmonton Oilers need. Like, they have, he was a slam dunk fit. And I think right now, and I would probably agree with this if it was how the Oilers were thinking, like, there's just not someone out there who's clearly a better fit than everyone else on the market. So I think what that's resulting in is Ken Holland maybe sitting back and going, I'll wait and see how this market develops. And maybe one of these guys becomes available for less than I think they will. And that's sort of the key. Like, I I feel like once Tanev left, you know, Dodge and ended up going to uh, Dallas, then then what we're looking at is shades of gray defensively. I like, I prefer Carrier uh, in Nashville. I don't know that Holland does because he's not a big guy, but he's a very effective player. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree. I like Carrier the most out of the group. I don't know how much Edmonton's interested in him. And now the weird thing is Nashville's kind of sitting there going, oh, we want to give our guys a chance. And it's like, oh, God, are they going to do the foolish thing of, you know, not trading these rentals and going and losing in five games to the Dallas Stars. Like, I don't know. That There's a non-zero chance of that uh, of that happening, which is unfortunate for the Oilers because not only do I like Carrier, but I like Tommy Novak as well. And if the Predators were willing to part ways with both of those players, I'd give up a decent amount for them because you'd be filling two holes with one deal. Any thoughts on – because I, I, like, I think Kyle Dubas would really like a Broberg and probably the first – and I don't know that the Oilers would do that for a rental in Gensel. But I, Holland's always said uh, he would trade the first-round pick, but it's got to be somebody with term. And that leads me to believe that Gensel, even though they'd like to get him, they're probably not – it's a bridge too far. Do you agree with that? I think he'd be – I think he'd be maybe be more open to moving the first for a rental this year than he was last year. But the way I would look at it is, okay, let's say the cost for Gensel is a first – and Broberg and a third because you got to get the money to work somehow. Mm. Okay. What if you could get Frank Vetrano for just the first and the third? And it's like, all right, now you got a guy who is not as good of a player as Gensel. I'm never going to try sell anyone on that, but you get him for a second year and he's a pretty solid cap head. And, you know, I think it's a similar thing to Buchnevich as well. It's like, okay, if St. Louis is asking for, you know, the sun, the moon and the stars or whatever, and, and they want, a first and Holloway and Borgo. And it's like, whoa, that's a lot. 
can we maybe just give up the first in Borgo for Vetrano in that situation and still get a good player who's going to help for multiple years, but you aren't paying out the nose just because it's one of the bigger names on the market. I just, I again, go back to my first answer. It's kind of like, I wonder if the Oilers aren't in a spot where they're going to wait and see how the market develops and then just eventually get a discounted price on one of their checkdown options instead of one of the big names. Yeah, that's fair. Tyler Uramchuk, our guest from Daily Faceoff on the Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. One name that, that has come up um, all through this process is Warren Fogle. But I, I'm looking, I, was, I was looking at Evander Kane for an article for The Athletic, and Fogle is really good Kane insurance because he has played on the second line, mostly on right wing, but if they acquire a, a suitable right winger for that second line with, say, Leon, and Kane struggles and it has happened or gets hurt and that has happened, yep. Fogel's a really nice option for the Oilers. If they trade him away, it's Holloway likely or maybe McLeod. But having a guy like Fogel uh, who's done the job and is a veteran is, is a nice luxury there for the Oilers on the left side. Yeah, here's my problem with anything related to sacrificing a piece off the active roster. And by a piece, I mean like one of the good players, obviously. Right now, the Oilers have three spots in their, out of their 12 forwards are PK specialists. Connor Brown, Derek Ryan, and Matthias Janmark are PK guys. You can have maybe one of them in your lineup come playoff time if you want to be a true contender. I, I honestly believe that. I think there's room for one. A guy you know plays hard, plays the right way, kills penalties, but doesn't really bring you anything in the offensive zone. That means they need to acquire two forwards. And if you're sitting there going, well, okay, we'll sacrifice Fogel in a trade because we're getting a Vetrano or getting a Buchnevich. Like, I'm not saying it's the be-all, end-all, but it doesn't solve your depth problem, like, at all. And the other thing is, right now, again, the Oilers have those three guys in their lineup, and they are 100% healthy. It goes back to a similar debate to be – there's a similar debate to be had about the blue line, where it's like, oh, do you really need to add a good seventh defenseman? Like, uh, you're healthy right now. You're not going to go, in all likelihood, knock on wood, the rest of the year being fully healthy on the blue line and fully healthy up front. Like They need to add pieces without subtracting significant pieces as well. And that's why I keep pushing back on the idea of like, well, you just throw Warren Fogle in the deal to make the money work and you go get a guy. And it's like, okay, sure, then your bottom six is better, but your, or sorry, your top six is better, but your bottom six is the exact same, not good enough. And that's when it's 100% healthy. So... I don't think they can go out and make any sort of a move that involves sacrificing a Holloway, sacrificing a Fogel, sacrificing a McLeod. You don't have the depth to do that. It's so true, and I think that that I know they're not going to stand pat. I think there'll be two players, a defenseman and a forward, maybe Henrique or maybe a winger. But as we get closer, one of the things that, that is really becoming obvious, I, I said Carrier earlier from Nashville, well, they're, they're, they're ensconced in a playoff spot. I like New Jersey uh, for Toffoli, but it looks like they're they're coming hard again, and based on reporting from Pierre LeBrun just published, that they're going hard for Markstrom in Calgary, and that means they're they're not offloading a damn thing. So this is uh, this is a time where where there's still so much uh, fluidity, if that's a word, or if not, I'm making it up in the in the trade market that that we might not we might find something. It, the Friday show might actually be full of trades. Yeah, it actually might be, and it'll be a result of a weak market, which is a weird thing, how a weak market might produce the best deadline we've had in years. Because, again, Nashville doesn't know if they're buying or selling. Washington, I think, still believes they can add a little bit to this team. You mentioned New Jersey, Pittsburgh, the Islanders, the Wild, the Kraken, the Flames. All these teams should be sellers. 
are kind of right now convincing themselves that they're not with some of their play. And I just sit there and think, come next Friday when rubber hits the road, at least a couple of these GMs are going to sit there and go, I don't want to walk out of here with nothing. I'm willing to come down on some prices. I'm willing to move some guys who maybe I wasn't willing to move four or five days ago. I think we're going to have a very active deadline day, even if it's not a lot of high-end, top-line, top-pairing players getting moved. What's uh, Tyler Yurumchuk, our guest from Daily Face? I, I'm I'm a little I'm not totally irritated, but I'm mildly irritated with the McDavid Drysital uh, Hyman line because I think it 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 really puts that second line in a bit of a tough spot. What what are your thoughts on that? <sighs> yeah, I <laughs> I love it because it's like a power play when you put those three guys all on the ice together. It's so much fun to watch, but. Maybe this can change come deadline time. Like, I do think, and maybe I'll flip this back to a question for you. If you were to go get Adam Henrique, do you think you could trust a Nuge Henrique duo enough on the second line that you can run the three big guns together? Yes. Yeah, I do. So, because I think Nuge is a better left winger now than a center. So doesn't that maybe, shouldn't that work into the deadline plans? Like, if Nick Dowd's going to cost you a first, and you sit there and go, okay, yeah, it's great to have a uh, quality bottom six centerman who's going to kill penalties, maybe take some tough matchups. If Henry costs you a second and a third, and now all of a sudden you don't feel as guilty when you go 29, 97, and 18 on the line, maybe that's a move that just really helps you out. And, I mean, then you're putting a lot of trust, I know, in a third line that would be Fogel, Perry, and McLeod, and they haven't scored a ton when they've been together. So it doesn't solve your bottom six issue, but man, it makes your top six really hard to deal with. So that's part of the reason I like Henrique as a target, maybe even more than I would like a Nick Dowd, because Henrique gives you a lot more lineup flexibility just because he has the upside of a top six forward. Dowd doesn't. That's a great point by you, and I agree totally. Now, Dylan Holloway, where does he fit into this mix, and is there any possibility that he gets traded? Uh, I think he's got to be untouchable just because next year you have the dead cap space and you probably need a good top nine forward who's going to be $1.25 million, and that's probably what Dylan Holloway is going to be. So I think you need to hold on to him because you need him really, really bad next year. My frustration is they aren't using him, and it makes no sense. Right now you're in a spot where your, playoff, your, your position in the playoffs seems pretty secure. You have a handful of games until the deadline. See what you have in the kid. Give him 15 minutes a night. When he was on the ice the other night with Nuge and Kane, I think he got four shifts in total. Two of them were zones, offensive zone starts, and I think two of them were starts on the fly, if I'm remembering back through the game correctly. When he was out there, the shot attempts were 6 nothing in two and a half minutes. Play that guy with skill. Let, figure out what you have. It could change your deadline plans if Dylan Holloway fits in next to Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Evander Kane. Why they're not playing him more is mind-boggling. Well, and it's been going on for two years now, Broberg, too. So, all right. So, um, what's what's the plan for you in the next week? I know you're going to be really busy every day uh, with Frank, but what's the deadline? What are you what are you looking at? You're on no sleep, or how's it going to be for you? Yep, probably very little sleep. Doing a four hour live stream next Friday with Frank Saravalli. We do a neat thing at Daily Faceoff where we put Frank. He's always on the screen, but he's just up in the top right-hand corner. So while I'm talking to my various guests throughout the four hours, you get to always keep an eye on Frank on his phone, texting people, calling people. And then it's cool. The moment Frank breaks a trade, you watch him on his phone, hangs up. He texts a couple things, and then he messages me and goes, 
I got one. And he unmutes himself and boom, you get it like in real time on our live stream. It's, it's really, really cool. I'm excited to do it next week. I'd like to have that for Frank 24-7. I'd like to know where he is, follow him around, into the bathroom. Could you work on that? <laughs> Hey, I mean, maybe next year we can just do a full week of ISO cam in Frank's basement. <laughs> I'm sure he'd, I'm sure he'd, he'd be delighted it. by that. All right, have a great weekend. Thanks, Tyler. Hey, you too, Tyler. See ya. Okay, there's Tyler Ramchuk from Daily Faceoff. Interesting stuff. We're almost there. A week away. Not not far. What's what are you what are you smiling at there, young man with the hair? I just just picturing someone following Frank Cervalli <laughs> with a with a cam with like a GoPro sticking it in the bathroom stall just just getting uh, just yeah Frank cam. My Ooh. one of my dear friends he's passed away, but he was a really good friend of mine. I I, I loved him dearly. He he told me about the time he was um he, he was he had problems. It wasn't gallstones, but it, kidney stones. And he was he was in the hospital, and there, he was going to pass kidney stone. And he has a male nurse, and he has to go to the bathroom. And so, the, when you, and I don't know if it's still the same. Maybe they do it differently now. But he go, he says I have to go to the bathroom to the male nurse. He said, "Well, let me help you." So he puts him, and he, they help him to the bathroom. And then the the nurse goes in to the bathroom with him. And my friend says, "I don't want this." And he said, "I I'm sorry, I." I have to be here. He said, I have to, I have to go to the washroom. And he said, I have to be here. He said, I don't want you here. I'm not going to go unless you leave. And the nurse said, my job is to be here because apparently I didn't know this. You can pass out and really hurt yourself. So anyway, I don't know why I'm telling you this. Well, yeah, it got a little serious for a second. I well, was going to joke, like Donovan was talking about how funny it would be to follow Frank around. With, I thought of how funny it would be for Frank to be like, oh, so what, is this like a documentary for Daily Face-Off? What are we doing? And then the, someone being, oh, no, it's just for Low Tide. He just wants to see what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe what we should do is wait till Frank is passing a kidney stone, and that's the video I'd like. Oh, can't wish that on anybody. No. Oh, my God. That's for sure. I, I'd take that back. <laughs> <laughs> Good retraction. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, by the way, we should do this because we never do, and we really should all the time. On Gregor's show today, John Forslund, Cam Tate, Lorian Munzer. I will be at 3.20 today. Wanye Gretz, Craig Button as well. And at um, they, they have so much on here. I've got to actually go on to the physical tweet because there's so much there. Uh, Sports Next Back is at 5, and Wanye's World is at 5.20 today. Okay, do we have an open segment? This is the first one we'll have today. We do, yeah. We're going right. to wrap, uh, head into the weekend. On okay, the next lots of text and trade ideas from you next. Lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. Oh, yeah. I don't want to do your dirty work no more. It's the Lowdown on Sports 1440 for Wolf GMC Buick. Check them out at wolfgmcbuick.com, 24 365. That song was, that's Steely Dan, right? That is Steely Dan. And, that is uh, a tune. And a I, I love that tune. The, uh, when I was young, on Mushroom Records, a Canadian group called Songbird. I'd never heard the Steely Dan version. They did a, a hit version of that song in Canada. And then I went up and bought the Steely Dan. I thought, it was a Can't Buy a Thrill. I can't remember the name of the album. But really good song. They were kind of a, they, Steely Dan was a weird kind of a band, though. They, I remember they were on um, Austin City Limits, I think, once. And Jeff Skunk Baxter, who ended up on the Doobie Brothers, he's playing his guitar and he's got his back to the crowd. 
So everybody's playing their guitar, and they're out of the crowd, and they're doing the show, and he's like, he's not even looking at the crowd. What, what kind of guitar play? There's no showman in putting Like, that's kind of, anyway. I'm not going to get upset about it, but I remember thinking, what the hell's going on with Jeff Skunk Baxter? That's probably why his name is Skunk. All right. <laughs> Sounds like you're a little upset. Well, a little well, bit still, good. you know. I mean, I got to let it go. No, this was like sure. 75. This is your outlet. Last segment before the weekend, it's time sure. to let it fly. All right. Do you guys have anything you'd like to share with the class? Anything you haven't got out of your system? Well, I mean, I queued that song up because it, it kind of feels like me and Declan are always doing your dirty work. So I oh, thought it was kind of see? fitting. He's a mouthy yeah. guy. I know? would never say that about you, Lotai. I don't, I don't mind doing your he's dirty a, work. He's a little prickly. And and maybe we don't even need that whole word. He's a porcupine, cute and cuddly from far, but you get close, he'll shoot <laughs> his quills right into you. I think I think we we've got to work, we've got to hone in on that prickly word and figure out if we can shorten it, and maybe. <laughs> Wait, let me. Is there anything? For <laughs> I don't know. Well, give me time. Um, this comes in from Aldergrove John. Aldergrove's in BC, right? I think so. Yeah. Markstrom taking shots at management. He's going to be traded and let the dumpster fire begin. Happy Oilers fan. That quote is absolutely a shot across the yes. bow. Yes, yes. And if New Jersey's interested in him, I want New Jersey to do well because my friend Tyler Dello works for them. And I'm sure if Dello's listening, he'd go, I'm not my friend, but I consider him a friend, and I would like them to do well. The problem would be if New Jersey or Carolina, where Eric Tolsky is a guy I respect, if they end up playing the Oilers, that would be tough. That would be a tough thing. And, and Rob Volman too. Like, he he's with the LA Kings. He's a friend of mine. Um, you got some friends in high places. I don't know about that. I What I did was I had friends in low places, and they worked hard, unlike me, and they got into high places. Okay. You know, I, I think that right. would be the way... You know, it's like when people say apply yourself. I was never in class that day. <laughs> you know, I was not. I was ill or playing hooky. You were at the parent-teacher conferences talking about he has a lot of potential, but he doesn't yeah. apply himself. Yeah. Every was... report card I ever got was these these D's don't have to be artificially turned into B's on the way home. Mm-hmm. This young man is smart enough to be able to get a B. Did it get through to you? Did you ever no. make the change? Well, th- no, not right. in not in grade school. No, fair enough. And not in high school, and certainly not in broadcast school. But somewhere along the lines, there's a yes in there. I think it'll take any day now. Any day now. I actually work hard. I write. I work the radio. I mean, I don't really work hard. My goal in life was to never have to lift up anything heavy, and I've done well that way. It's that's not a bad goal to have, I'll tell you. Manual labor is all the credit in the world. But... One thing I will say, my dad worked hard. He was a farmer. And he worked uh, as an edgerman in the sawmill. He did. He was a fisherman for a time, and he worked for CN, and he worked for Husky, and he worked every day of his life, and he was healthy, and he had a great work ethic, and I respected the hell out Incredible. of him. I am not that man. Yeah. I come from a line of academics, and this is the most blue-collar thing any of us have ever done. So... So are are you like are you like the black sheep of the family or are you oh. the guy who's branching out and doing something fun? I'm like the rainbow sheep of the family. <laughs> My goodness. Like black sheep doesn't even begin to describe it. Wow. Yeah. It's so tough to say. D- does anybody but. say my dad would always say when I told him I was getting into radio, he'd say, Do you have a backup plan? Maybe you could learn how to be a plumber. My dad, <laughs> my dad never never asked me that because he, he was like, you know what, Declan, that's probably about as good as it could get for you. So <sighs> we'll just yeah, try that out. Try that on for a second. No, All I'm I kidding. know is my he, dad was very happy when I met my wife. He was yeah. like, okay, I don't have to worry about him anymore. Yeah. So Jim Carrey did that. All right. 
There you go. It's a playoffs. You win with your bottom six. This is not true, BP. I know people think it is. I'm going to tell you the truth about hockey and about all sports. And you're all going to disagree with me, but I'll be in my car driving away when you text. Because everybody knows that I am gone by 155. Here's the reality. If the Edmonton Oilers bottom six and bottom pairing plays the opposition at 50% goal share, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman, Matthias Ekholm, Evan Bouchard, Darnell Nurse, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who have I forgotten? They'll win the Stanley Cup. The top six and the top two pairings and the starting goaltender, Drew Skinner, they will win the Stanley Cup. It's the bottom end. You ever listen to rock and roll? The bottom end's pretty important, right? Oh, yeah. But it's the singer and the guitar player that you come and see. It's true. You know, you know what I've also, I've also clocked today? About 90% of the show is me just saying, oh, yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> like it's it's kind of well, astounding how much I actually just say that and nothing else. That it's not ninety percent, but what is ninety percent is me going off on tangents. Yeah, you know, Elmer used to have this glue, and you know, back in the sixties when they had the glue, there was something in it from grade one through four. And when I sniffed it, I'd go away, and I would come back four hours later, and Mrs. Norman would say, "Are you awake?" Stuff like that. So, there it is again. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, but between that and my little, you know, verbal ticks here and there, we make yeah. I think it makes for an okay show. And Krusty the young man here who comes in with the sly little digs. Yeah, he does. What are we going to do with him? And the good hair, my goodness. Yeah, I'm I liked the hair earlier. Now I'm I'm resenting it. So I saw him with his hair today and I didn't say anything, but I thought to myself, "Damn, that looks good. I wish yeah. I had hair like that." Yeah. Well, you can. You're going to go to Turkey and get it done. Yeah. My I still got some I still got a good hair head of hair for a few years here. Yeah. So when you go to Turkey, are you going to pay cash? Um, yeah, probably straight cash, homie. Right. Yeah. No. I might. I might break out the checkbook, but cash. Like I don't like in in a like yeah. Cash, probably cash is king. So I'll pay yeah. cash. Well, then you're just bringing one of those like those funky little you know carrying bags that they have in movies like The French Connection. That's my. Job. I want to walk into like a big store on like Fifth Avenue in New York or Rodeo Drive with just a big backpack of cash and like they try and pretty woman me. And I'm like, hold on, huge mistake. And then I, I just throw bands down on the table. I don't think anybody's going to pretty woman you anywhere. Yeah, you're probably right. When I kind of look the part. When I was young in Red Deer, I used to work at both radio stations at the time, the country station and the top 40 station. And I used to do remotes at a place called Kip Scott Pontiac Buick. And this was Saturdays in the 80s. And I learned so much during the remotes that I had because um, guys would come in and they would just come off the farm, right? And they'd be, they would have been working on the farm and they, you know, everybody else was in suit and tie or whatever. And they looked like somebody who was working, but they'd come in and they would pay cash for the truck or whatever. Right. So never judge a book by its cover. Not ever. If you do that, you're a fool, a fool. I would agree. Anybody who doesn't like your hair, Declan, you just say, Eh, step off. That one they might be kind of onto something about, but. There's nothing wrong with your hair, especially with those great glasses you wear that I'm are your sister's you, yeah. and don't have any actual, you know, prescription. Purely academic, those okay. glasses are. We don't do this um, ever. But what are we doing on the weekend? What are you doing on the weekend, uh, Donovan? 
What I'm doing is, well, uh, me and Declan, we're both going to be at the Oil Kings game tomorrow, the the Ghostbusters night. And uh, I don't know if we're going to be busting any ghosts, but we uh, we will be there mm-hmm. in, a, in a Sports 1440 section. So we're, we're going to catch us. Uh, and then we've got Connor going, and we've also got Brandon going. Nice. So you can meet the gang's all meet there. The 1440 crew. But uh, I'm also going to be heading out on the town tonight. Nice. Doing what? Um, some some academic drinking. Mm. That's what Goodwill Hunting did. I'm yeah. 62 years old. <clears throat> academic drinking <laughs> is exactly the same as drinking. Just so you know, you're yeah, not know. fooling anybody. I just I thought I would you know spice it up a little What's bit. What's your you drink know? of choice? Um, I'm a big Burt Reynolds shot guy. Okay. All right. Well, what's in a Burt Reynolds shot? Um, oh, that's such a 21-year-old choice. You know what? It's like it's sugar. It's, it's pure sugar. Yeah, but pure sugar is awesome. <laughs> so, You're right about that. So uh, a Burt Reynolds shot is rum, and then I think butternut schnapps is the, is oh, the other okay. ingredient in it. All right. And uh, that's my go-to. Other than that, maybe a rum and coke here or there. That, mm. That's kind of the, the go-to Donovan night. Have you ever had ouzo? No, I can't say I have. Not tonight. But don't never mix your liqueurs. But if you've ever had ouzo, it's a fascinating drink. I've never mixed my my liqueurs once, not one time. And I bet never. you've never had a headache. No, <laughs> never. <laughs> what about you? What are you doing? Uh, t- well, listen. Like Donovan said, the oils oil kings tomorrow night. Sports fourteen forty presents Ghostbusters night. Going to be a lot of fun. Come on down, sit in our section. You can get tickets on their website. It's going to be great. Oil play in the afternoon. So that's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Heat play as well tomorrow. Good game tonight between the Celtics and the Mavs. Really looking forward to that one. You know me. My weekends revolve around sports. Probably going to hang out with some friends, see the girlfriend, uh, swing by your place, see if I can have a free dinner when you turn Don't, me away. Probably pick up some Wendy's on the way home. security for yeah. you. And uh, that's about it. Then I'll, really what I'm going to do this weekend is just look forward to Monday because I get to be back here working with you guys. You just say that with a straight face. And- I'm, I mean it. My God! I look forward to. to I'm going to, to but the, the I'm going to the lowest hole. The, you, there's a great walking path there, and you can you can have like bird seed and stuff, and oh. you can hold your hand out, and they come and visit you. It's the cutest that thing. That is ever. very nice. What time are you going? Maybe I'll swing by okay. for a not I, I, so accidental. Please don't interaction. Do I, I, I would have to dart to the car, to race to the car. You don't want to see me running. You know, nobody wants to see that. I'll tell you, I've tried to talk to you in the halls here when the show's over and got the cold shoulder. So I couldn't imagine running running into you in public when you're on your personal time. It would be it would be something else. No eye contact, no acknowledgement, maybe a backhand. It'd be bad. I would I would just go over to the security guard and say that man's bothering me. I'll get a job as the security guard there. (laughs) All right. Everybody have a great weekend. Thanks so much for tuning into the Lowdown. Jason Greger is next. Time for a sports update. This is a sports 1440 update. This sports 1440 update is brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. All runs and lifts are open and ready for family fun seven days a week. Visit snowvalley.ca for details. In the NHL, there's only three games on the night. The Flyers are in Washington to take on the Caps. The Sens are battling the Yotes. The Devils are in Anaheim. And in case you missed it, Leafs made a uh, made a splash last night, acquiring D-man Ilya Labushkin from the Anaheim Ducks at 50% retained for a third-round pick. The Carolina Hurricanes also got involved in the deal as third-party brokers, retaining the other half of the deal for a sixth-round pick. 
There are plenty of games in the dub tonight. The Oil Kings are in Medicine Hat to take on the Tigers. The Rebels take on Swift Current. And Lethbridge plays Saskatoon. In the AJ Calgary Battles Old, Canmore takes on Camrose. And Drayton Valley plays Lloyd. In the BCHL's action tonight, Black Falls is playing Okotoks. And the Crusaders are at Grant Fury Arena in Spruce Grove to take on the Saints. There's nine games on in the association. The Raptors play the Warriors with tip-off for 5.30. The Pelicans take on the Pacers. The Bucks battle the Bulls. And in a heavyweight tilt, the Celtics are at home against Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. In some spring training baseball action, the Toronto Blue Jays and New York Yankees will be getting underway at 4.35. The Pittsburgh Pirates are up on the Tampa Bay Rays 8-5 in the bottom of the 7th. The Houston Astros and Washington Nationals in a slugfest at 10 to 6 at the bottom of the ninth. And in some finals from earlier in the day, the Minnesota Twins defeated the Red Sox 5-3. And the Baltimore Orioles edged out the Atlanta Braves 3-1. Coming up on Sports 1440, it's the Jason Greger Show. I'm Donovan Paulson, and that's your Sports 1440 update.